Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. Anybody, is anybody tired this morning? Uh, anybody a little bit frustrated, perhaps? Um, those of you who are on Zoom may not be able to tell, but it's, uh, it's kind of wet here, and it's kind of loud here. <laughs> So it's, it's quite the morning, um, but, uh, but Paul in Acts found himself in very much, uh, well, really very much worse. Uh, so if you're feeling like we've just been, we've just been going and going for, for six months with COVID, and now here we are in a rainy pavilion, you're like, could we at least have some sun this morning? Um, could, but we're thankful we're together. Where Paul finds himself in our story in Acts this morning is that, he has been working for years to get to Rome, and he has been attacked by an angry mob. He has defended himself three separate times in front of various, uh, four separate times in front of various court proceedings, and in every case, he has defended himself well. There is no cause for charges against him, and yet he has remained in prison. At what point, he was just left in prison for two years with the Roman governor hoping that he would give him a bribe. And so finally, Paul gets sent to Rome, you know, with the power and might of the Roman government, taking him to Rome, and he shipwrecks. He gets driven across the Mediterranean by a storm. That was our story last week in Acts. And now they have made it to shore of a strange island on pieces of wood. And then what's going to happen? They get to shore, and Paul gets bitten by a snake. It's like the ultimate... We're on shore. How did we get here? In a shipwreck, on pieces of wood. What happens when we get there? A snake. And so how many of us are feeling this morning is very much how Paul and his companions were feeling. And yet we see that this story is not one. It does not minimize the suffering. It does not minimize the hardship. But nevertheless, the story this morning is a story of hope. So as you hear God's word this morning, listen to what is the hope for us? What was the hope for Paul and his companions? What is the hope for us? And then what are we to do with that hope? What is the call for us from this story? So let's read now from Acts chapter 28, verses 1 to uh, to 16. After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed an unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the, fi- on the fire, a viper came out of the heat because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. 
They also honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria, with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there, we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up. And on the second day, we came to Putioli. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the form of Apius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, rainy as it is. We thank you even more so for your word. We thank you for the ways that you worked through Paul so many years ago. We thank you that you preserved this word for us today. And we pray now by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you speak this word into our hearts, that it would not merely be information, but transformation, changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, and the way that we live. In Jesus' name, amen. Do any of you know what movies hold the record all time for the most Academy Awards? There's three of them. Titanic is one. Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, that is the other one. There's one other and I forgot what it is. But Return of the King, the third movie in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, won 11 Oscars in 2004. It was a glorious movie. Now, it may have gotten a little bit of extra credit from the first two that only won a handful of Oscars, and they kind of wanted to pack them all in on the last one. But there's something also to the fact that Return of the King is Return of the King. It's about a king. It's a movie of glory. It's a movie of power. It's a stirring movie. Uh, if, you're, if you're not familiar with the story, uh, the king is the King Aragorn, uh, who has lived his life as a ranger, kind of in secret, in hiding, but he actually comes from a long line of kings. And as the forces of good, the forces of evil, are kind of holding out in the end against the evil Dark Lord Sauron, Aragorn comes to the rescue. Frodo, the, the hobbit, is one of the main heroes of the story. He's going off to destroy the Ring of Power. But Aragorn comes out of the shadows. He comes out of the paths of the dead to fight this great battle and win a glorious victory. And then he leads an assault on Mordor itself on the stronghold of the Dark Lord. And in that, the, the, one of the final scenes of the movie, Aragorn's got his army, the army of Gondor and the army of Rohan, and they've joined together to fight against the Dark Lord, and they're at the gates of Mordor. And the gates of Mordor open up, and this huge crowd of foul creatures come out, trolls, orcs, all these kinds of evil people are coming out to, fight, to overwhelm the armies of good. And Aragorn makes this stirring speech, and this is what he says. He says, hold your ground, hold your ground, sons of Gondor, of Rohan, my brothers. I see in your eyes the same fear that would take the heart of me. A day may come when the courage of men fails, when we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship. But it is not this day, an hour of wolves and shattered shields, when the age of men comes crashing down, but it is not this day. This day we fight by all that you hold dear on this good earth. I bid you stand, men of the West. And everybody roars and Aragorn runs towards the evil people and they fight this great battle. 
And for many of us, we, our hearts are stirred by this kind of thing. This is what we want. We want a king to lead us. We want victory. And we, we see these great speeches and these great hopes and these men who would come forward to lead us into battle. And yet, most of the time, we, we watch the movies because that's what we want. But that's not what life feels like <laughs> most of the time. Instead, life feels kind of like this, where we're gathering in a pavilion with, with rain falling and generators that break down and things that don't quite work right and the problems of the world around us and problems in our families. And that's where Paul finds himself in Acts. Like I said, he's, he's trying so hard to do what is right. He is trying to carry out the mission that God has given him to go to Rome, to preach the gospel in Rome. And yet, after years of trying, he's shipwrecked on the island of Malta. And then the snake comes and bites his hand. But then what happens? What happens after that snake when all seems like the final, as the people even said there, justice. The, the kind of impersonal justice. There, here justice could, it could have been that they meant uh, just kind of the impersonal forces, like we might say karma. It could have been that they were talking to about a specific Roman god who is the god of justice. Justice will not let him live. And yet, Paul snakes, shakes off the snake, and the kingdom of God breaks through. That same hope that we have when we see Aragorn giving his speech before the, the Black Gate, Aragorn is calling them to courage, calling them to the hope of men, to stand as the forces of men, to rise up and be strong against evil. But we actually have a greater hope. We see here in Acts that the power of men has actually failed. The greatest power of men at that time was the power of the Roman Empire. And as they're washed ashore on Malta, it is the failure of the Roman Empire to transport its people to Rome. And so they're on this island where they need help from the native people. Literally, barbarians. That's the word, that's what the Greeks called them, barbarians. Now, it wasn't that negative. It just meant that they couldn't understand what they were saying. And they needed help from them because the power of men has failed. And when we see men's power failing, when we feel like we're at our wit's end, we don't know what to do, we're tempted to fear. We're tempted to despair. We're tempted to lash out at other people. We're tempted to just give up. And the hope that we see here is that when the power of men fails, the power of the kingdom of God is unstoppable. And the kingdom of God is beautiful. And really what we see here in Acts is the unstoppable, beautiful kingdom of God breaking through, even in the midst of a shipwrecked boat on a remote island, and even going on to Rome, the city that failed. The beautiful kingdom is breaking through. And when we see the beautiful kingdom breaking through, what can that do for us? I said to listen for what, what is God calling us to. Did you hear it? It comes at the end. Paul's reaction. It's in verse 15. Uh, the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the form of Apius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. That took courage is significant. Because back when Paul was in jail in Jerusalem, having been run out by the mob and almost killed, having to be rescued by the Roman soldiers who forced their way through the mob to take him into the barracks, making him now a prisoner of Rome, Acts tells us that an angel stood by him that night and said, take 
courage. As you have spoken about me in Jerusalem, you shall also speak about me in Rome. And then again on the ship, when they were being driven by the storm for 14 days, he comes up and tells the crew and everybody else, he says, last night an angel of God stood beside me and said, take heart, you will testify about me in Rome. So the call for us this morning, when we see that as kingdoms of men fall, kingdoms of men fail, we do not find our hope in a king like Aragorn. We do not find our hope in being stirred up to action. But we find our hope in the kingdom of God, the unstoppable beauty of that kingdom, and we can take courage. That is the call for each of us this morning, in the face of darkness, in the face of suffering, to take courage. But in order to take courage, in order to embrace that, we need to understand the beauty of this kingdom. And we see here as this kingdom breaks through, as God's beautiful kingdom breaks through, we see three aspects of that beauty. We see a what, or we see a where, where does the kingdom of God come? We see a what, what does it look like? And we see a who, who makes up this kingdom? Who is part of it? So we've got a, a what, a where, a what, and a who. So first, the where does the kingdom of God come? The beautiful kingdom of God always comes in the midst of suffering. It comes in the midst of trial. I wish that I could tell you something different, but it's simply not true. It's not true in my experience. It's not true in your experience. It's not true in God's word. Here where we see this glorious breaking through of healing and help and people supporting one another and Paul making it to Rome to carry out his mission, it's in the midst of suffering. It's after a long time in prison. It's after many failed defenses. It's after a shipwreck literal shipwreck literally they have nothing left and washed up on a shore where they don't know the people and really couldn't understand them very well and it's at those times in the midst of suffering that god's kingdom breaks through and we get to see his power and his glory and his beauty because god is not some far off god that just gives us a pie in the sky hope that we can wish away all the badness and stick our heads in the sand like ostriches. God, in, and this is the beauty, this is what we pray every morning as we praise him in prayer at the beginning of our service. The beauty of God's good news is that Jesus came from heaven to earth. He came to experience suffering. God did not remain distant from us. He came into our world. He experienced temptation. He experienced suffering. The Bible is full of descriptions of how Jesus experienced the full suffering of humanity. How he had no place to lay his head. He had no home. In the moment as, as, at the moment as a church, we, we feel this, this sense of homelessness. Suzanne reminded me this morning that our home in the rec center, where we're supposed to worship, we've been out of it longer than we were in it. We were in it from September to March. Now we've been out of it from March to October. And so we are, we are a homeless church, wondering where we can gather to worship, where we can meet. And as we do in this time of testing, we remember that our Lord, whom we worship, had no place to lay his head. And yet he did beautiful things. Even by those who are not Christians, who don't, who don't follow him as a king, Jesus is almost universally revered for the good that he did, the good that he taught, the healing that he offered, the miracles. All as a man with no home. 
all as a man whose friends abandoned him, as a man who faced direct temptation from the devil himself, and yet he brought the kingdom of God. And we see here in Acts that just as Jesus brought the kingdom of God, Jesus' work continues in the book of Acts. And here Paul finds himself washed up on the island of Malta, and yet the beautiful kingdom breaks through. And so, what do we take away from that? When we see that the kingdom of God comes in suffering, said the call is to take courage. And what that courage looks like in the face of suffering, it's not, again, it's not just a matter of building ourselves up, and it's not a matter of denying that the suffering exists. But taking courage in the midst of suffering looks like obedience. It looks like faithfulness. It looks like loving our neighbors and taking care of them. It looks like continuing to stay faithful to God, continuing to pray to Him, to worship Him, continuing to do what is right, even in the midst of suffering. It's so easy in the midst of suffering to make excuses, to say, I'm just going to focus on myself now. I don't need to worry. I can't, I can't worry about anybody else now. Life is too hard. It's so easy to give in to the temptations of food and drink in excess. Just whatever. I'm going to eat and drink whatever I want. Because, you know, it's been, it's been a rough week, so I deserve this. I can do this. And, of course, there's a place to enjoy good food and drink, but there's also a place where that goes into addiction. And we know the reality of that, and it can take us away from God. And so the call, even in the midst of suffering, is to be obedient, to love others, to love God, to do the things that He has called us to do. Because in the midst of suffering we see the beautiful kingdom advancing. And what does it look like? What do we see here in Acts? What is the main thing we see of the power of this kingdom? We see healing. We see healing. First, of course, the, the healing of casting off the viper and no effects from it. But then what happens? Verses 7 to 10, Paul gives attention to this on this island where Paul and his companions kind of had a right to just take to themselves and say, let's hunker down and get out of this place and get on to Rome. And yet, there was a man named Publius. His father lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed, putting his hands on him, healed him. The beautiful kingdom has come, bring healing to Publius' father. And then what happened, verse 9? The rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. When the kingdom of God comes, it comes with this is what Jesus did. The man who had no place to lay his head came and brought healing wherever he went. He healed the crowds who came to him with sickness. And so God continues to heal through his people in Acts. God continues to heal through his people today. And now God uses all kinds of ways to heal people. He has blessed us with great medical technology, doctors, nurses, all kinds of things. But God continues to heal by the direct power of his Holy Spirit. If you listen for them, you will hear story after story after story of people where the doctors had given up and yet God healed them. Because this is what the kingdom looks like. It is a place where people find healing. Healing from physical diseases, healing from other things as well. The kingdom of God comes, the beauty of seeing people healed from addiction. Healed in relationships that are broken, where there seems to be no hope, where too much hurt has passed between two people, that there's no way that it can be restored. And yet, the beautiful kingdom comes and brings restoration. The beautiful kingdom comes and brings even healing 
to our social problems, even in places where there has been tension and conflict for years between different groups of people. And yet, in God's kingdom, in God's church, different people can come together, people who were once enemies, or even if not enemies, just really didn't get along, really didn't understand each other. People from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, all kinds of people can come together to make up this beautiful kingdom. And we see the power of God at work. We see it in physical healing. We see it in emotional healing. We see it in relational healing. We even see it in societal healing. That God's beautiful kingdom comes and brings change. And we even see this in the Lord of the Rings. Aragorn, the king, giving that stirring speech of courage. Earlier, there's a great line in the books where after one of the first battles, many people are sick and many people have been injured and they're in their houses of healing. And the healers are trying to heal them and they can't, they can't do much because they've been facing evil, pure evil. And then Aragorn comes in from the battlefield and they say, the hands of the king are the hands of a healer. And the king who led them into battle also comes to heal the sick and the wounded. And that is the king we serve too. Our king Jesus is a glorious victor in battle. He has power over all things, but his hands are the hands of healers. And so the call for each of us this morning is to seek that healing, to take courage, to not give up hope, to not despair and think that everything we have been given are just things that we must live for, live with, but instead to seek healing, to hope that God will change, that God will bring physical healing. After the service, each Sunday we offer that you can come up for prayer or you can pray online on, in Zoom in a breakout room. You can put in prayer requests for our prayer team to, heal, to, to pray for you during the week. We can have an appointment during the week for healing prayer, where we'll spend an hour with you praying for whatever healing that you need. And so if you hear this kingdom and you think, man, I need some healing. I need God to do something in my life. Come. Come today. I would love to pray for you. Make an appointment. We will pray for you another time. But don't give up hope. One of the things that Cindy often says, Cindy's the leader of our healing prayer team, and Cindy often says that you may not get exactly the healing that you were looking for, but you will not leave the same as when you came. God always does something. He always heals in some ways, and most often he gives us not necessarily exactly what we wanted, but he gives us what we need. And that may be hard to hear. That may be hard. You may think, well, I don't want what I need. I want, I want what I want. But trust this morning that God's healing is what you need. And if you come to him in faith, he will give you what you need. Because he is the king, making a beautiful kingdom. And the hands of the king are the hands of the healer. But the healing of God's kingdom is not the only beauty that we see here. The last thing here, I said there was the where in suffering. What in healing? And who? The who here is not so much just the who, that who gets to be part of God's kingdom. We kind of know the answer to that, right? Anybody can be part of God's kingdom. Anybody who puts their faith in Jesus, he welcomes all people, Jews and Gentiles alike. We've seen that time and again through Acts. But the who here in Acts is not just the who who get to be part of the kingdom, but it's the who that makes the kingdom beautiful. The kingdom is beautiful because of the community. That is the aspect of the kingdom that makes it beautiful. Do you see, I already read the, the call to us to take courage. But what was it that led Paul to take courage? Back to 2815. 
The brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the form of Apius and three taverns to meet us. That's like 40 miles from Rome. They like kind of came out and went to, to meet them. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. What was it that led Paul to take courage? It was seeing the brothers. This had been his, his calling from the angel all the way back in Jerusalem. Take courage, you're going to Rome. But it wasn't when he arrived in Rome that he said, I've made it. It was when he saw the brothers, when he saw the Christians who came to meet him. Then he took courage. Then he saw the kingdom had come. And why was that? See, most of the churches that we've been hearing about in Acts, most of the Christians, they're people that Paul had met, Paul had preached the gospel to. Paul had started these churches all around Mediterranean. Paul had never been to Rome. These Christians in Rome were not people that Paul had preached the gospel to. This was not a church that Paul had started. The gospel had gotten there by other means. God himself had gone ahead through other people, through all of his people, God had brought his church to Rome. There were already brothers there. Paul knew about them. He had written the letter of Romans already at this point. He wrote the letter of Romans to them before he had even met them. But so when Paul saw the tangible expression of the work of God in the brothers coming from Rome, Paul, you are going to Rome to preach my word. Paul, I'm already there. God has gone before us, and God has put his people all around the world. The beauty of God's kingdom, it comes in power. It is unstoppable. It comes for healing for us, for the world. And the beauty of God's kingdom is also in the people. This is, this is the church. This is who we are. When you look around, you see the beauty of God's kingdom. The beauty of God's kingdom, I would love to have a building. I would love to have a beautiful building. Stained glass windows and everything. And the beautiful sanctuary. But the real beauty of God's kingdom is in the people. That is how God is at work. God is at work expanding his kingdom person to person, place to place, so that wherever we go, we find that God has gone before us. And so the call for each of us this morning is to embrace the beauty of God's kingdom in his people, to give yourself to community. I know it's hard right now in this time when there's so much going on, to invest the time in other people, in getting together with them during the week, in participating in a neighborhood Bible study, in making the effort to come to Sunday worship to set aside this time. But it is worth it to see the beauty of God's kingdom. And seeing that Paul was not the one who started the church in Rome, but, but that God had already gone there through other people, the call is also for each of us, each of us who are part of God's, of God's church, who have put our faith in Jesus, to say, how is God to use me Oftentimes when we look at Paul, we say this is what the church is doing as a model for us, that we do it collectively as the church. But we see that each of us really do have a part in it. God did not use Paul. He did not just use a far-off great leader to bring his church to Rome. He used individuals traveling there through all kinds of different ways. And so each of us has a role to play, a role to play in extending God's kingdom to other through the love that we show to them, through the testimony of what God has done in our lives, through the testimony of what God offers to them. And he calls us to pray, to pray for those we know and love who we would like to see become part of this beautiful kingdom, this beautiful community, and to extend that love and offer to them, to invite others into it, to see how God would use each one of us.
Because our hope is not the hope of men. It is not the hope of swords and spears and stirring ourselves up with great speeches. We see that in the movies and we love it. And it's great in the movies. But in real life, our hope is in the unstoppable beauty of God's kingdom. And we can take courage and turn to him, even in the midst of suffering, in obedience. We seek healing. We offer healing. We see the beauty of his community in the people he has gathered. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us, that you do give us your community, that you have given us one another, that you have given us the power of your Holy Spirit to heal and to change. Would you change us this day? Would you forgive our sins and would you transform our lives so that we may be healed in the way that we walk before you, the way that we interact with other people? Would you heal our physical illnesses that we may give testimony to your glorious power, to the beauty of your name, the beauty of your kingdom? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.